0: All right, well, let's get started with another episode where I get the opportunity to talk with an accessibility practitioner. And today I am talking with Mary Jo Mueller. How are you today, Mary Jo?
1: I'm really well. Thank you.
0: Well, I'm uh, at my home office on Bastion Island, which is near Seattle, which is where uh, Blink's headquarters office is. Um, where are you talking to us from?
1: I'm on the opposite end of the country from you. I'm in Satellite Beach, Florida, over near NASA.
0: All right. Well, yeah, NASA is one of our uh, our clients, uh, so I have the opportunity to uh, work with them uh, quite a bit. Uh, but it's great to have you as part of uh, this program, and looking forward to uh, hearing about. Your work with accessibility, but always a, a good place to start is uh, if you could just uh, describe what things you're currently involved with.
1: Um, well, currently I work for, um, actually, my, my entire career I've been at IBM. Um, I am the accessibility standards program manager. And kind of what that means is um, I lead the worldwide team working on accessibility standards. And I also work on accessibility policy around the world. So um, just kind of coordinating those efforts and making sure that um, we have uh, an influence over standards and policy worldwide.
0: And uh, and so uh, you you mentioned worldwide. So uh, so your position is one where you're communicating with all the different uh, parts of uh, IBM, different departments, divisions, and so on?
1: Yeah, we communicate with uh, different, uh, Yeah, IBM's a global company. So um, the group that I'm in is the accessibility uh, team, um, IBM Accessibility. And uh, we do uh, provide all the guidance. We, we basically distill all of the standards information and the policy information and distill it into guidance that we give to IBM developers management, everybody um, around the world on how to make IBM products accessible, how to report that they're accessible, and so on.
0: Well, I want to, uh, you know, get in a little bit more uh, detail about your work, but we also like to find out, you know, kind of what what the journey was uh, for people as they found their way into accessibility. So uh, maybe if you could uh, think back, uh, what are some of the the earliest things that you found that either prepared you for accessibility or where you became aware of it? Well,
1: um, my journey into accessibility was actually rather serendipitous. Um, I um, had my first child and went on a leave of absence for a year. And then when I came back, my manager had moved. I used to be working in like communication subsystems. I worked on AS400 and, you know, electrical engineer by education. So um, I was working in a completely different area, but when I came back to IBM uh, working full-time, my manager had moved to the accessibility team. And so I was plunged into this accessibility team. I had awareness of of disabilities and and people with disabilities because my dad had had a stroke when I was in high school and he was left disabled. And unable to work, and so I had an awareness and a and a background and you know feelings about that. Um, and so when I wound up in this team, it was like aha, you could actually do technology work um, for people with disabilities. I was like, wow, this is awesome. And so um, I worked initially on products for uh, Speech Viewer, which was a product for um, Speech therapists to help um, their patients learn how to pronounce phonemes more clearly and and be understood better when they're speaking, and um, so that was my my first plunge into that. So there was a lot of learning to do, and um, but I was kind of excited to do it because I felt like it was making a difference.
0: Well, it, it sounds like though uh, you you at least uh, there was. There was some infrastructure there. People already working on this. Where you were brought into a place where you had uh, some peers to be able to lean on to uh, to get going.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of there was a an established group. Um, it was called in IBM. It was called Special Needs Systems at the time, but it, you know it eventually became IBM Accessibility, which is the current name of the organization. Um, and yes, there were people that were already established in that field and there was actually, IBM was making various products for people with disabilities. Um, and so they had a lot of knowledge to impart on me and that was really helpful.
0: And then you said uh, you, you, you had to do a lot of learning and so uh, was that just uh, investigating you know, what uh, resources available uh, through the community or had I, I, I your company built uh, up a library of things to work on or how did how, how did your education in that area move forward?
1: Um, at that point that I mean, this was really kind of early on. This was before. Before Section 508. This was before. Okay. I mean, this was I, I've been I've been in my career a long, long time. So yeah, there was none of that kind of thing. It was more of this is a, like a philanthropic effort for IBM. We wanna make a difference for people with disabilities. What are the disabilities? What can we do? Is there any assistive technology we can help with? And this was back in the days when you know Jim Thatcher was working on um, the first you know, screen readers and all, all that kind of thing. And I don't know if you're familiar with him, but I worked with him at some point. And he was a great mentor um, for me. Um, He was was a great, fun person to be around. And um, I eventually wound up working on screen readers myself. I worked on the screen reader for OS2 um, with Jim and Rich Schwerfager and some other names that a lot of people who've been in accessibility a while know all these names. I got to work with them. It was really a privilege. I learned a lot, um, and, and uh, it was a great environment for for learning. Not like not uh, saying that today isn't also a good learning environment, but um, um, coming on board with zero knowledge of you know making technology accessible, it was a, a great place to get started. And I I got to learn a lot about user needs. We ran beta programs with the users and got to get Direct user feedback and and hear their user needs and hear the struggles that they had with their technology. So, um, for me, I think that was one of the best lessons that I learned was was working with people with disabilities and learning from them and and understanding where they're coming from and and the things that they're trying to do and where they're meeting roadblocks, and and then trying to come up with solutions for that.
0: Well, with the uh, IBM being such a large organization and so influential uh, at, at that time then were you uh, was IBM involved in helping to uh, contribute to the standards that were being developed by the World wide Web consortium and that yeah time? so
1: I mean in that really early time there was no standards yet because there was no 508 there, I mean there were the web, When I first started working in accessibility, the web wasn't even a a thing. (laughs) Like um, It was in its infancy, if if so. And then as my career progressed, yes, the web started coming into play. Um, Some of my peers, I I wasn't directly working on standards at the time, but there were some of my peers like Jim and um, Phil and and others who were working on standards. and then I had a break in my career, so that was that was kind of an interesting thing. I had my second child, and um, I left I, I left work for nine years, um, and then I came back. So um, when I came back, I was hired back into accessibility, and it was because of my. Uh, already prior knowledge and, you know, they didn't have to bring me up to speed on what is accessibility and what does that mean and what does that mean for users and what does that mean for IBM. I already kind of was already there. So it was a very easy in for me to get right back into um, the accessibility field, which was awesome because technology had completely marched on you know, the programming um, was completely different. I was totally not familiar with, you know, all of the beyond HTML, plain HTML. I wasn't, I wasn't familiar with any of the programming of web technologies. Um, so uh, I thought I was gonna have a difficult time getting back into work after being gone for nine years, but it actually turned out it wasn't that difficult.
0: And, and so some sometimes when there's a gap like that, uh, we, we, we find that things have changed a lot. And then in other areas, we think doesn't seem like anything moved forward at all. Uh, but I think a lot of us find that uh, it's been a theme that's come up a lot in this uh, program. How was it for you? You
1: know, that is very, very true. Um, so... I was not used to working remote with a lot of people Um, that had changed a lot. Um, And I wasn't used to that I was used to being with the in person group because at the time, at the time, I had left we were all co located in the same spot. And so, you know, you need to talk to so and so about whatever, walk down the hall, have a conversation, get it over with. It was a little bit of an adjustment for me to work with a with a team that was coast to coast and 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 that kind of thing and not not face to face and um it was a little bit of an adjustment there um of course the technology had changed and and you know standards were actually a thing when i when i joined um wcag was working on wcag 2.0 you know w3c um and you know 508 obviously was there and the 508 refresh was getting underway, so so I got involved in those things because you know I still have my knowledge about people with disabilities and their user needs, and and I could still contribute to all of that. And so I just kind of jumped in and started working on that, and um, and uh, wrote a white paper with with a couple other people, and it was um, a really good way to get back into the working world. Um, And I'm I'm really glad I had my accessibility background because it really was um, helpful to me getting back into um, things. I did find that there was a lot of um, problems that seemed to repeat themselves um, in the technologies and um, the web content was no different. um, And it just seemed like you know you take two steps forward and one step back when you wind up with new technologies, It's like, oh, yeah, accessibility. We forgot about that kind of thing. and And it's like, well, how can you forget about that? We've known about that for years. <laughs> so um in in those regards, it seemed um, some things didn't change as much as I had hoped. But, um, but there's still a community out there of accessibility experts who care very much you know people with disabilities who care very much and and this is all like a partnership that we have to continue to ensure that accessibility is not forgotten that it is and it is incorporated as early as possible because redesign is way too costly mm-hmm.
0: Well, I, I, I want to talk about your uh, community involvement uh, before we're finished, but just uh, continuing on uh, kind of from where we are here, um, what are the types of things that, how are things done uh, within your organization to uh, educate uh, people about accessibility and what their role is in that? It's, it sounds like you do a lot of work, uh, you know, across the organization. How does that End up uh, propagating or, or or happening within individual uh, divisions, departments, and so on.
1: Well, you know, IBM being a large organization, we're uh, somewhat process driven, so that kind of helps um, because we created um, accessibility processes and education, and then we have you know web content and tooling that we've created um, to help the organization to learn you know, consume, learn, do, and test, right? So those, those um, are all important aspects of um, completing accessibility process. Um, we have created a website that does a lot of the role, kind of role-based or where you are in your process-based um, accessibility that kind of gives you ideas on what you should be doing at what stage of your, pro- um, of your project. And um, and we get a lot of user feedback from IBMers of what, what they need, what they don't understand. And we, we try to you know, have that feedback loop also with the consumers of what we do, our tooling um, and try to keep up with the standards changes as well. I mean, so everything kind of rolls in and we just keep iterating on both the processes, the tooling, the guidance, all that, just to keep it all current. you know. And also, we have to be able to report um, how well we're doing um, in our product accessibility conformance reports. Um, so uh, we use the VPAT. We're involved in um, industry associations um, that help develop the VPAT. <laughs> Um, and that's how you found out about me with IWAP um, presentation that I did with Michelle Van Duzer and, um, we were in, we were involved in the development of the VPAT so we can report, um, accessibility and how well our products are meeting those standards and requirements from, to, to whoever's looking to purchase IBM products.
0: Well, let's talk about that a little bit, uh, it, as you brought that up, uh, so the, uh the International Association of Accessibility Professionals, uh, a, a great organization with lots of resources to help people. Uh, uh, I'm a member of that as well. And, and uh, uh, they, they have uh, webinars that, that they provide, as well as other resources, uh, and one of those is uh, was one that uh, you mentioned that I uh, attended that you were involved with, with the VPAT. Why don't you talk a little bit, you know, specifically about the VPAT? I don't think we've covered that uh, in this episode series. Maybe give a brief description okay. of that. And uh, yeah, some people might be interested in what that's all about.
1: Okay. So VPAT, let, let's talk about the acronym itself first, <laughs> because we tend to use a lot of acronyms and then, and then, People don't know what that means. So a, a VPAT is a voluntary product accessibility template. Um, and it's a template that contains the requirements for accessibility. Um, currently, it has three, three standards, uh, worldwide standards that are used. Um, WCAG, the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines. It has um, 508, um, the revised 508 uh, standards. As well as the European EN 301549, which is used in several different um, regulations in Europe, the European Union, um, as well as beyond, um, because other countries like Australia are adopting it and Canada are adopting uh, the EN 301549. So those are all accessibility standards, and uh, the BPAT contains all those requirements just as a list. Just it doesn't have all the details that are in the standards, but as a list so that you can report how well you meet um, each of those requirements and give explanations if you don't if you don't meet something if it's just you know you forgot alt text on you know a certain screen but it's not going to affect users because it's not you know an image that is really all that uh, meaningful um, that kind of thing you can report all of that, and then people who buy your products, you can um, provide them with that information and then they can make informed decisions when they're purchasing products.
0: One, one of the common things that uh, software organizations uh, seem to always be looking for is, uh, they're always looking for a certification or, or something that has the blue ribbon that this is uh, uh, quote unquote officially approved. that's really not what uh you know vpat's all about uh, would yeah. maybe talk about the, kind of you know that difference there where we we really don't have there's not an you know, a certification authority that
1: yeah there is no certification that. authority yeah the vpat is really meant for self-report um, for products to self-report their accessibility right so that You know, you have to hopefully (laughs) hopefully they're doing all of the things that they should be doing that leads up to this report. I mean, you have to test you have to develop and test to the accessibility standards, and then you can reliably report on that. Um, You can't just go and say, check, 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 you know, I meet all these requirements, and you have nothing to back it. Uh, That is not a good scenario because then you're not um, being very truthful about the accessibility status of your product and it's not giving your buyers any information that's helpful to them to compare um, products Um, as well it becomes it, it it. can become part of the legal documentation on a bid. So you really do wanna be truthful because you can be held liable for what's in there. So you wanna make sure that um, it's it's up to date and uh, correct as much as possible.
0: And, um, and on the positive side, it is very uh, helpful to an organization because it represents that accessibility is something that you're being proactive about and uh, I I think it's important for a lot of organizations to understand that uh, lawsuits and and legal actions tend to occur in the areas where there's just been you know no action uh, (laughs) no action yeah Uh, yeah no action and and just the you know doing this you know shows that you you've been proactive about it.
1: Yeah, and that you're, you're actually trying. Um, it's really hard to be 100% you know, accessible in 100% of everything. Um, but as long as you're truthful about that and are still striving to improve um, release after release and um, you know, prove that you care, you, you um, address user concerns, that kind of thing kind of shows that you care and that you're willing to, you know, work towards a more accessible world.
0: Well, uh, I'll I'll include some uh, links to the uh, uh, IAP training related to that in the show notes for this. Uh, Getting back to the types of things that uh, you're involved with at IBM, are are there any uh, particular initiatives that you're excited about now or are there things looking forward uh, that you're uh, you think might become part of the activities at IBM moving into the future? Um,
1: Let me think about that for a second. Uh, I think that I'm to from my view I I'm looking forward to um new technologies. Um, they do kind of have their own challenges um, for accessibility. You know, when you talk about virtual worlds and virtual reality and this and that, um, I i am excited about about uh, where that could go because actually it could also open up some new opportunities. Um, and uh, though I'm not directly involved in that, I don't think IBM ha- currently has any um, VR, uh, AR type of um, products at this point. Um, that still, there's, there is some uh, interesting things going on with data visualization. That's something that IBM does a lot. And um, I'm really interested to see where things go in, in making that accessible. There's a lot of challenges with that as well. Um, And, um, but, you know, personally for for our team, because we are involved in standards and policy, uh, we're always on the lookout for what's happening worldwide, picking up standards, um, what are they doing, uh, new regulations, because the United Nations um, Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities is is getting it has been ratified by a lot of countries. And that means that they're going to be putting in place uh, regulations for accessibility, and that includes accessible technology. Um, And so uh, part of what I do is just make sure that that, uh, the standards uh, that they require and the things that they require um, can allow for a global market. Um, You want them to harmonize between countries and and not have unique accessibility requirements per country because then you'll lose your um, economy of scale. uh, And you'd have to produce a specific product for a specific country because they've modified the the regulations so much and the standards. Um, New horizons for um, people with cognitive disabilities. I think that's very interesting as well. Um, the next generation of um, the web content accessibility guidelines um, uh, or uh, so uh, version 3 of of WCAG, which is being worked on. um, We're hoping to include more um, requirements for that address people with cognitive disabilities and and um, improve upon the usability of the standard itself and the understandability of the standard itself. So I, I think that's, you know, for a standards person, that's pretty interesting. I don't know if it's interesting to everybody, but.
0: <laughs> it's definitely interesting to me because I've, I've worked with uh, people who have had uh, uh, traumatic brain injury accidents and things yes. like that. And and um, it it's probably the area of accessibility that I think organizations have Worked on the least relative to you know other types of uh, physical challenges, and it, I think a lot of it is because it's really hard. Uh, it is hard,
1: and, and different users' um, needs are can be different and conflicting, and so um, coming up with a standard that can address everybody is very challenging. As but as as somebody who's of an engineering mind, you know challenges are kind of fun. <laughs>
0: Well, I, uh, uh, very Joe, I want to uh, thank you for uh, taking the time here to talk a little bit about your background and share your thoughts uh, about today in the future, and uh, hopefully, we'll get together at a, a in-person conference uh, sometime again soon.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if you've um, looked at it, but IBM does have resources and a website that um, that uh, can help people learn about. Um, accessibility and web accessibility, um, as well as free tooling available. So um, check it out.
0: Yeah, I'll make sure I get the uh, proper link from you and we'll include okay. that in the show notes here as well. So thank Excellent. you very much. Thanks. Hey, we did it. Yay. <laughs> hey, let me turn the recording. Hi, I'm Joe Walensky, and as host of the Digital Accessibility Program, I like to keep the focus on our amazing guests. But I'm always excited about my role as Accessibility Director at Blink, the producer of this program, and I'd like to share that with you. Blink is the world's leader in evidence-driven design, and we work with a wide variety of clients. Founded in Seattle, we also have offices in Boston, New York, Austin, San Diego, and San Francisco. Our stated mission is to make technology human. Embracing inclusive design and accessibility brings all of us closer to that mission. We bring accessibility in every one of our projects. Our philosophy is that each of our practitioners should understand how accessibility applies to their own work. Accessibility is not a separate department or activity for us. Our researchers, designers, and developers all employ accessibility principles at every stage. If you have a need for research and design services, Blink is a partner with a full-time commitment to making your product or service accessible and a great experience for all of your customers. Some of the specific areas where we can help, using research to better understand the needs of your customers with disabilities, innovating to make sure your accessibility is the best in class design. We can move existing designs to development in a sprint, and maybe most importantly, we provide a turnkey transformation to an accessible site or app. Of course, compliance status is something that we always include as part of the service. If any of this is of interest, please get in touch with me directly at joe at blinkux.com. That's J-O-E at B-L-I-N-K-U-X dot Thank you. And please take a moment to rate our program in whatever app you use.